Hello guys, welcome back to I think episode three now. I am so excited that you're back with me. I have my I've I've been dreaming of having this episode with this person um, because we're so close. She's like a mother to me. I've had her in my life for I think about 10 years now. It's so crazy how just like time flies and where we're in life like right now. I just if you told us that we would be here now 10 years ago, none of us would believe it. And her story is truly amazing. And I think it's very inspiring to people that are in possibly the same boat or are thinking of maybe jumping into that boat. Um, I am just really excited for you to meet her and just get to know her and her story and where she is now. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself with your name, your age, and, you know, if you have an occupation, let us know. <laughs> okay. Hello. Um, my name is Angela Chase. I'm 50 years old. I just turned 50. Pretty 50s. Fabulous. I Fabulous know. Fabulous 50s. I know. I don't feel 50. And you don't I probably don't act 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you hear our stories, you're not going to think she's 50 at and all. My kids are, yeah. My kids are almost always embarrassed. So I definitely <laughs> don't act 50. Um, and right now I'm going to real estate school and I started a CBD water company. Per clean shit. I love it. I'm so proud of you for Thank you know you. going after what you want. I know it's really hard when you're, you know, trying to figure out your own personal life while also trying to, yeah. you know, stay afloat and also do what you're passionate about. You yes. know? Yeah. Especially with three kids. Like, yeah, they yeah. may be and a adults. Baby. They may be adults, but like you know what? Here's the thing about having kids is that they're always your kids. Mm -hmm. So each stage, yeah, each stage of having children brings its own unique set of circumstances. So Mm -hmm. when they're babies, they don't communicate very well other than just through crying and like smacking you when they don't feel good and throwing food on the floor when and they Royce, don't like, want to eat it. pulls my hair because right. he hates me. He, he just wants his mom. He doesn't hate you. No, that's just Royce. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go into teenage years where they don't want to talk to you at all. They can verbally communicate. They just don't want to because yeah. it's teenagers. Yep. Then they get a little bit older and they start to communicate. And then they get to this really amazing age, which is where my kids are right now, which is where- The best age. Yes, which is where they are becoming the people that they want to become. And they're actually inviting me to participate in- that part of their life, which I'm grateful for because they could very easily say, no, mom, no, no, no. Right. But they have chosen to say, mom, what do you think? And let's go here. And and it's, oh, it's incredible. It's exactly why I wanted to bring you in and have this conversation because as you're raising your children and they are, you know, at the coming of age time, Mm -hmm. you are also going through your coming of age time all over again. (laughs) because you had this you had this entire life for 20 years Mm. you were married you had three kids you were a part of the LDS church Mm -hmm. and here you are now you're not associated to a lot of that but you're still a mom obviously Mm -hmm. but like you are trying to literally recreate your life and who you are as a person more than you know yeah and I I I seriously think that's so inspiring like inspiring and I just like I want to know like what kept you in your marriage for so long like I knew that like obviously 
your children were a big part of it, but like what kept you in that boat for so long? You know, my, uh, man, there's so, we could talk about just we my marriage would, alone this episode for six could hours. could possibly be like a six hour episode if we really wanted to, <laughs> but we're going to make it exactly more compressed. So the really shortened version is that um, in the state of Arizona, you, when you get a divorce, we are a no fault state, <clears throat> meaning that if I'm a drug addict and my husband is not a drug addict, I still have the possibility of getting my kids 50% of the time and he gets them 50% of the time. If he cheated on me, he there's that doesn't matter in court. Mm-hmm. If he like spends money like crazy and leaves us homeless, that doesn't matter in court. It's a no fault state. So you can't go in and I say I had no idea. Damn. Yeah. So you can't go in and say judge, I'm I need a divorce granted to me because my husband is x y and z and the judge is like, I don't really care. Like the rule, the law in Arizona is 50-50. So anything that you've accumulated over the marriage, you get 50, I get 50. Kids, you get 50, I get 50. So time, decision-making, all of that stuff, right? So I actually, what a lot of people don't know is I have actually filed for divorce four times in that marriage, four separate times. And every time that I filed, I never finished the paperwork fully because it hit me every single time, just when I think, like, I can't take it. I mm-hmm. can't take it one more day. Like, I've been going to counseling by myself. I've been doing everything that I thought I should be doing. He's not happy. I'm definitely not happy. It's like you never were enough, no matter I was how ne- much effort you put into it. No. And, yeah. and and that came out a lot in the marriage. Like, you know, the com- the conversation was like, stop running. You're running too much. Your thighs are getting too big. Stop running. Your butt's getting too big. Um, Don't do any weights. You're going to bulk up too much. I don't like you bulky. Um, You know, go do your hair this way. Like it was that it was literally I was physically never enough. Yeah. Um, And a lot of other things. But so I knew and there's a lot of criticism even within his family, within his extended family. So um, I would get to the point where like I couldn't take it anymore and then I would file and then as soon as I would sit down and really think about like what would it, what would that look like I realized what that looked like is it looked like my children um spending half of their time with me and half of their time with him and half of the time with him because he worked so much and he was out of town a lot it half, would just be them sitting around taking care of themselves well and it would be with his family oh so like his (laughs) his so their aunts and their grandparents and they have very intense and complex side of the family very intense very intense intense. is a very kind word very yes (laughs) and I couldn't subject my children to that I just wouldn't and so and we all know how your kids feel about that side of the family it's yeah it's a very complex there's no relationship they don't have a relationship and they nor do they want that either Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it's yeah so that's why I stayed I just I stayed because I couldn't imagine placing my children in a situation where I had no contact with them for however many days that was. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they had to be subject to whatever type of verbal, you know, slashes they were going to get and, you know, judgment. I think, and I think hearing that, like, from even like just like a child's perspective, like being a daughter, I think like that's very admirable of you to like, you know, put up with 
you know, all that trauma all these years, um, you know, for your children. I think it's like, you know, it's so easy to say, put yourself first and put your heart first and all that stuff. But realistically, once you have a child, mm-hmm. they're your entire world. And oh, yeah. like people that don't have children, it may be really difficult for them to understand that. Especially like me, like I've heard all of your stories and like, I can't imagine like, you know, those nights where you just like literally just sit there and you're just, you just have never felt more alone, but you have your partner sitting right next to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like enduring that for 20 plus years, mm-hmm. you're incredible for that. And you. so you were, so were you always LDS? Yes. I was born and raised LDS. So I was born and raised in Colorado and I've never known anything else. Wow. Yeah. So um, was your ex also always LDS? No, he's a convert. Oh, So okay. he was from another country, actually. Oh, and okay. he and his brother and sister, one brother and one sister, um, had come in contact with friends and missionaries that were LDS and um, sort of taking the missionary discussions and they ended up getting baptized and then moved here to America. Oh, And so wow. I met them in our singles ward. Oh, cute. Yeah. And, um, and our bishop was like, hey, I think it's a good idea for you to meet this guy here and whatever. And, and then his sister was like, yeah, I want you to meet my brother. And <laughs> I was sort of, I had a job opportunity in Chicago. Oh, no and way. So yeah, I was, I was offered a job with Southwest as a flight attendant. The way your life would have been so different, different right? <laughs> so different. I oh know. My God. No, I know. And so, and, and I had accepted the job okay. and I was getting ready to go to training and in the LDS culture, when you come home from a mission, which I had just come home from a mission. You need that ring on your finger. You do. You better hurry up and get married. And they tell you that, like, go home, get married, go home, get married. And so you go home and literally- the, All eyes are on you. Yeah. The only thing you're thinking is like, okay, married, 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 married. And I didn't want to get married. I had no desire to get married. I really actually did want to live some kind of a life, but <laughs> I also was trying to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really trying to do, I mean, I had just do sort of, what basically God told you to do. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and our bishops and our stake presidents, um, are given the okay to guide us in our life, yeah. spiritually guide us and come to us. It's not uncommon for a bishop to say, I've been praying about you and your family. And I think you need to do X, Y, and Z. Like that's not uncommon. Right. And so when the bishop says like, hey, maybe this, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. I'll totally go out with him. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I, oh my gosh. And it was quick. It was two months from the time we met to the time we got married. <gasps> so I, I didn't know that. Oh, Mormon people get married fast. Two months, Angela? Well, because you can't have sex before marriage. Oh, So Mormons are like, gosh. you meet and you're I like. I thought six months was Early. No, you're like, okay, I think we drive. Yeah, we drive. All right, hurry up, bam, get married. But see, uh, we didn't even have sex on our wedding night. What? Mm-mm. On your wedding night? Mm-mm. He really didn't want anything. Yeah, he wasn't very that interested. That is bonkers. Yeah, so like I said. So I, you even like I filed. Leading, even on your wedding night, you're like, I still don't know what the package is here. Like, what's yeah. the dealio? Like, what's 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 
I'm what I'm signing up for life. Like, well, when we were dating, it was like passionate and like it was really it's great. Fresh actually, and young love. yeah, I was like, this is amazing. Like a, a really incredible guy. Yeah. And then we got married, and it was it changed. You like, know, what? it My changed on our honeymoon. Always told me this. She said, when you're dating, it is you know rainbows and sunshine, and mm. they only show you the good side of oh, them yeah. they're terrified to show you the other side of oh, like yeah. them being messy them farting in bed yeah them being like you know they flip their underwear around they wear it a second time like yeah she literally just told me like they All will the always hide their terrible side until they put that ring on and they sign that marriage license mm-hmm. that night everything changes mm-hmm. and she said you're either gonna have to accept it and run with it and learn how to adjust your life to cater to that or you're going to hate your life Mm -hmm. and I've heard I've heard so many stories of people getting married and seeing their husband change into a totally different human being oh yeah and actually it's interesting because when I was in the courthouse this the last time that I filed for divorce Mm -hmm. when it finally went through and I like pushed it through right I'm in the elevator and there was an attorney in there yeah and um, we were headed to a different floor, and he, I just said, hi, how are you? Because I talked to everybody. You know I talked to yeah. everybody, yeah. literally to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm like, hi, how are you? And he's like, oh, I'm good. How are you? And I said, so um, what kind of attorney are you? And he says, I'm family law. I'm like, oh, strange. I'm here for a divorce. And oh. he's like, let me give you a free piece of advice. And I'm like, great, thank you. Because I am I did all the paperwork myself because my ex wouldn't give me any money for an attorney. Mm-hmm. So I literally filed everything myself. Yeah. So um. He said, let me give you a free piece of advice. And I'm like, yeah, great. He said, however he was in the marriage, meaning if he was stingy with money in the marriage, he will be incredibly 10 times more stingy in the divorce when it comes to money. If he, and boy, was that true. Uh-huh. If he didn't care about the dog during the marriage, he's not going to care about the dog during the divorce. He's like, so you take inventory of what it was like in that marriage. What were the things for him that were sticking points that he like really, really, really was like, this is how I'm. And he's like, he'll be 10 times that in the divorce. And he said, whatever is unimportant to him will not be important to him during the divorce. And that's why during the divorce, I knew what I would be able to get and fight for and what I wouldn't. You played your cards your cards very strategically yeah. and smart. Yeah. And you just didn't waste your time on things I didn't. that I you walked knew you away. wouldn't be able to get. I literally walked away. No, it's so true. When she uh, brought me over to her new house, um, was it a year ago or so? A year ago. We've yeah. been in there a year and two months. Yeah, so she brought me over a year ago and I looked over and it was mostly everything new. Mm-hmm. She had brought over a few vases and some patio furniture. I was allowed to take seven items. Yeah. From the old house. Yeah. From a 14,000 square foot house full a mansion. of antiques and tapestry and $50,000, $100,000 rugs. Um, I could take seven items. Yeah. And you know what items I chose? There were four patio chairs that I had redone for my daughter's wedding. In her colors. Yeah, you changed the upholstery. That was sentimental right? to me because yeah. that was my daughter's wedding and yeah. her wedding was in our backyard. Yeah. So I took those. I took pots that had the plants in them that I planted for her yes. wedding. So for me, it was stuff that was 
sentimental and attached meaning to my children, not meaning to my old life. I literally think about that backyard all the time because it was beautiful. It, it was so you carried that house on your back. I worked every day and night. Like, yep. I hate to use this word, but you were a slave for that house. Yeah, like, I was. You, I would come over after you know while we were in high school, and I would go over to see Ariana, and you were either. <laughs> You hadn't showered all day and you had been in the sun. Because I'd been mowing and blowing and trimming. And and I would hug you and you would just smell like straight sweat and (laughs) which is totally fine. I don't care. But like that's like the pivotal memory. Yeah. It's just you were always in that house. Yeah. Working. His beck and call, doing whatever is needed around the house and keeping that house sustained and gorgeous at all times. Like the lawn was always mowed. The the little bushes were always round. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, everything was like, cut, like to the perfect, yeah. like imagination. Like you can just see it in a movie. Like it was like a Gatsby house. Like yeah. she kept up with all of that work, and she did that herself. Like, and the inside. So there was. Imagine all the dusting. Imagine like I used to do the. Sh- I would do the chandeliers. It would take me a whole day just to do the chandeliers in the and house. And her house is like high, high up there. So yeah, I just. You did so much for that house, and I feel like yeah. once you left, I think it finally hit. And I'm like, oh, wow, she did do a lot for the house. Like, dang, I kind of have to do this my by myself now, and that's crazy. I think he hires people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's doing uh, what we, it we, is. Should, we shouldn't give him that much credit, right? <laughs> I think he hires people. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so off track a little bit, but we were talking about, you know, how you how you were raised born and raised mm-hmm. LDS and mm-hmm. you know you getting a divorce and whatnot did you like leaving that house and getting a divorce and just being on your own did your relationship with the church change at all and like what were you kind of treated like like after you had publicly gone out of that house mm. so I actually didn't even talk about this a lot until Noah graduated from high school. Yeah. So Noah, we grew up in, or my kids grew up, and we lived in um, a part of the valley that's predominantly LDS people. Our neighborhood was, like, almost all LDS. Their high school was over half LDS. Like, it was just... It was like 90 Saturated. Yes, it was saturated. And when you're a member of the church, that's a wonderful thing because... There's this sense of community in the church that really is actually pretty incredible. It's very powerful. Yeah, you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, like politicians, policemen, teachers, you get, you know what I mean? Everybody is, and they're all attached. And when you sit down and say, oh, you're in so and so's ward, it's kind of like this unspoken rule like, oh, we're going to treat you a little differently because you're LDS and I'm LDS too. So, you know, or oh, I'm going to vote for so and so because he's you know he's in my my cousin's We've ward and he's amazing for us too. Yeah, yeah. It, we like he's in my cousin's ward and he's amazing and you should vote for him like it's just like a sense of comfort and trust and knowing that yes. they're like holding the standard of god almost yes and it's not done in a malicious way for some people it is but for a yeah. lot of people the the general public it's like okay good Your i can trust them or, right yeah, yeah. because i go to church on sunday and i know i'm good 
and this person must be the same as me, right? Yeah, so we give them the, we give them the huge benefit of the doubt. Yes. So in the LDS culture, that's that's huge. The other downside, though, of the LDS culture is that when something happens to somebody, everybody does know about it, and sometimes that creates literally overnight. <laughs> yes, and sometimes that creates this judgment that sometimes is spoken and sometimes is unspoken, but you can feel it, right? And you can see it. So interestingly enough, um, uh, for people that don't know very much about the LDS church, you have what's called a bishop, and he's in charge of like the group of people that live in his immediate area, and those people belong to something called a ward. And that's just like a group of people. Like, So my neighborhood was our ward. There was enough people living in my neighborhood to constitute the church saying, this is a ward. Okay. There's like 500 people in this area. So we're going to make this a ward. And this man over here is going to be the bishop. He's in charge of all the people in the ward, meaning whatever they need. If there's, you know, divorce going on, he kind of counsels them. If there's a, a family that needs food, helps them get food, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a female called the Relief Society president, and she works hand in hand with the bishop and she works mostly with the women, right? Mm-hmm. So like whatever issues, the because a lot, most LDS women, or stay-at-home moms okay that's a whole nother set of good and bad for yes that. so um whenever there's a divorce typically the bishop will at least try and counsel or at least come over on moving day and show up with other members of the church and say let's help you move right and the Relief Society president typically is like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's getting a divorce. Let's see if we can get over there and help her pack and move and whatever. I had nothing of that. Not, nothing. I didn't even know not that they a were that single, supportive. Not like, a to others. single person showed up to help me pack. Wow. Not a single person was there when I moved. Not a single person. My bishop never once reached out to me and said, I'm really sorry you're going through this. My Relief Society president was completely silent. Not a single word from her. Yeah, like not a single word. Um, And then ironically enough, and this is the beauty of something like a divorce. You find out who your friends are immediately overnight. So it was interesting. I had women in that ward that I had kind of worked with in different like scouting or, um, you know, the kids programs, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But we weren't super close, but we were friendly. And I had text messages from those, a couple of those women saying, I just want you to know I love you. I'm really sorry you're, that you're going through this. Um, it was a real honor to have you work with me, blah, blah, blah. That was, I was like, wow, that was completely unexpected and very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. And then I had people who I actually thought I was friends with, like literally saw regularly and, and spent a lot of time with and not a single word, like not a single word. One of them in particular, um, you know, here we are a year later Mm -hmm. and it's my son's high school um, prom. And the after party is at my ex's house because it's 14,000 square feet. So, of course, right? I've heard a little bit of this tea, so. Yeah, so I show up. I want to know more about this, though, from you. Yeah, so I show up for the after party. And, um, oh, wait, are you talking about, like, do you want to know the whole story of prom? Yeah, I want to know everything that happened at prom because I kind of just know, Uh like, the text that you sent and that was it. Yeah, I'll get to that. So we're all going to get into this tea right now. Okay, you want to start? You want? Should we get right in? We're getting into the Let's tea. get right in. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So showed up for this for this after party, right? And um, 
she's like, Angela. And she hugs me, whatever. And I'm like, interesting. You haven't talked to me in a year. Don't touch me. You, you and I did your daughter's wedding. When you, when you and your husband were going through all the stuff that you were going through, I was the one refusing to hear anything negative about you. I stood up for you. I was there for your kids. Your kids came to my house and cried on my shoulder. I was there for you. And you haven't said one word to me. And now I come over here and you're at my ex's house <gasps> helping set food out, acting like we're all besties. We're besties. Oh my God. And that's when I was like, no, nope. I don't know. I, I didn't even hug her. I'm like, no. I literally, well, I'm like, I'm sorry, no. But before that, I'm so, blown away right now. Yeah. So, proud. so but so prom, proud. okay, but so this is what happens during prom. Okay. So Noah wasn't sure if he was going to go or not. Okay. So, and there was this really sweet girl that he wanted to ask, but she was trying out for the cheer team at the university that she was going to be attending. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And she was going to be gone that weekend. Mm -hmm. And so Noah was like, I don't really want to go with anybody else. Everybody's kind of already been asked. You know what it's like with prom. If you don't ask right away, like you're not going to get a date. Especially with the Mormons. They ask like before (laughs) the the other dance ends. (laughs) I know. Like more winter formals happening and they're already asking for prom. No, I know. It's insanity. It's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm like, no, it's Kate. It's your senior year. Um, so if you don't end up going to prom, let's take a fun trip, you and I, that weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go do something fun. Like, who cares, right? Yeah. And so, because Noah lives with me full time. That's what I should probably preface, that yeah. Noah has lived with me full time since the divorce. He 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 only sees his dad that is once in a Everyone moon. should know. Yes. Yeah. Once in a blue moon, he sees his father, but he's with me all the time. They're besties. I love him. I know he's. He is. A we gem. get matching outfits and everything. Like he's so freaking cute. Sorry, know. Noah. We're so outing cute. you a little I bit. I love him. Okay. So anyway, um, okay. So he gets a text from a, a kid in our old ward, right? A friend, and the text is like, "Hey, so and so is not going to try out for cheer, and she really wants oh, to girl. go to prom. Yeah, and she really wants to go to prom, <gasps> and everybody's already asked someone, and Noah was like." Oh my gosh, this is the girl I wanted to go with anyway, right? So he texts me and he's like, Mom, like, where are you? And I think I was spray tanning someone at the time. And oh, I was okay. like, Well, let me finish and what you know, and then I'll come and see you. Yeah. Where. So I get home and he's like, Let's hurry up and make this poster and then oh, I can drive it over and I'm I like, do it I, tonight. I love I, when he's excited about something. It's I know. So happy. He's so cute. Yes. And and I couldn't go with him to drop it off because I was tan I had to go do another tanning. Yeah. Bar. So I went ahead and you know, helped him with this poster. It was super super cute so he drives it over drops it off she says yes it's like it's just you know cute so we get excited we get all of the things for prom whatever so he and I went shopping to get shoes and a tie and whatever and afterwards I'm like I'm beat Noah like I am not gonna go home and make dinner let's go do something fun let's go to Capital Grill we'll sit at the bar we'll order those fancy french fries that we like we'll get our um virgin mocktails and we'll just sit there and like pretend that we're like super famous right because we do that sometimes (laughs) I love that I know it's so cute and so we sit at the bar and we just like have our french fries and our virgin mocktail and just pretend that we're like living the high life Mm -hmm. and um he gets a text from his dad and his dad's like hey um, so-and-so, the mother that's hosting the dinner at her home, asked what your date's name is so that she can put it on a place card. Oh. And Noah's like, that's really weird. Why is she texting dad? And I'm like, 
That is weird, right? Like, everybody knows you live with me. Mm-hmm. But, side note, I left and moved to Tempe. So, therefore, I am out. I'm out. She's I'm an outcast. Mm-hmm. She's and Mark still lives there, and he goes to church. He's still very involved and, yeah, exactly. in that. Mm-hmm. So they are like, I'll hail Mark. And wait, who was that again? And I'll tell you a story about that in just a second. It's going to okay. blow your mind. Okay. So, um, so anyway, so I'm like, okay, whatever. So Noah sees me start to get red and then You're redder. Fuming. And then he sees smoke coming out of my ears. <laughs> and he's like, Why did I just mom? envision that? I know. So he's, and he's like, mom, you just have to let it go. And I'm like, no, I'm not letting it go, Noah. No. This is the stuff that I'm not okay with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. But he's like, just just give it a day before you respond. I'm like, okay. So the next day, I waited 24 hours. And the next day, I sent her, this woman a text. And I said, hey, just a heads up, just so you know. Um, Noah lives with me full time. Um, his dad is not really involved in his life. So if you have any further questions about his date's name or what color he's they're wearing or anything text me or just text Noah directly Mm -hmm. because my ex knows nothing Mm -hmm. and um she's like oh I'm out of the loop I had no idea I'm like you okay I call bs yeah right exactly I know you're in the loop everybody's in the loop over there (laughs) don't say it don't make us live there oh my gosh (laughs) now I have fumes coming out right wow okay so I get this text a little bit later that's like, hey, pictures are at um, from 6.15 to 6.30 out in the front yard. I'm like, okay, fantastic. She's like, do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, Duh. because this is my kid. <laughs> Senior prom. I'm going to be like. Prom. Yes. Hello. Especially with parents, at, you know, out in Mesa. All the parents show up for pictures. Oh, you know that. Yeah. They it's, all show up for it's pictures. Like they, it's like they forgot what prom was like, so they go so they can feel some type of way. Uh, yeah, they're like, we got to go take, so everybody yeah. goes to take pictures. Right? Yeah. And so I'm like, of course I'm going to take pictures with Noah, right? So I show up at 6.15, and there's no other parents there. <gasps> it's just me. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm thinking, maybe I got here too early. I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, no, it's actually 6.17. So I'm like, oh, geez, well, I got to hustle because I only have 15 minutes because they're going to start the dinner, right? So I'm like, okay, that's super weird. So 6.15, So um, I walk down into the front yard and all the kids are there and they have a photographer over on the side. And I'm like, hey, let me get some pictures real quick. And Noah's like, hey, mom, and hugs me. And his date's super sweet. And we take all these pictures and it's super fun uh-huh. and whatever. And I'm still looking around. And by the way, the people hosting the dinner, um, th- a couple of them were out there and like nobody said word one to me, right? Like I walked right past all of them, right in front of all of them. They look at me, look the other way. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> She's I, I know, I don't care. I'm like, whatever. Okay. So, because I'm past all this. It's taken me a year to work through the, um, what happens when you decide to leave the church. Mm-hmm. Everything people say to you, the way they treat you. Like, the way they look at you. It's the opposite of Christianity. So yeah. it's 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 taken me a while. And I'm there now, so this didn't really bother me. Right? Yeah. I was just... I You've come a long way. Whatever, exactly. Yeah. So 
I'm like, okay, it's almost six thirty, And the photographer was like, all right, one last group picture. And then, you know, d- dinner is going to be served. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. Have fun. Have so much fun. I, you know, I hope the dinner's good. I love you so much. Hugs to him, hugs to his date. And I'm like hightailing it out of there, still thinking to myself, why didn't any parents show up for pictures? Like how weird, right? Yeah. Cause that's just not, that is really not normal. So I'm walking to my car and all of a sudden this group of parents come walking up and I was like you guys missed pictures and I'm thinking oh, whatever I'm like I don't know maybe they had something going on like I didn't let it hit me too much because I'm still giving people the benefit I of feel doubt. like I know where the story is going and I'm and so baffled I get in the car and the after party was at Mark's house my ex's house I was getting all the food for it so I had to hightail it over to pick up the pieces, the sandwiches, the da, 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 right? And so I'm like, I, I didn't have time to sit around and, and try and really you know, Sherlock Holmes yeah. this. I'm just like, whatever. So Sherlock I, Holmes. So I get in the car and I'm like, I'm driving and I'm like calling the pizza place. Hey, I'm almost there. Are they ready? Sandwiches, whatever, right? And um, I get everything and I'm like, it's nice and warm. And you know, you've seen how small my house is. Like I have one little tiny stove and like, I just, I didn't have room for 30 pizza boxes, No, but my old house, my ex's house, totally easily. So I was like, I wonder if he would just let me like drop them off early and he could just put them on warm in the oven. And then he's got 30 refrigerators. So you just put all the sandwiches in the fridge, right? Like that would be great if he would let me do that. So I text him. Um, and this was at like 8.30. Mm-hmm. Okay, so remember dinner was at 6.30. So yeah. 8.30, I'm texting him. I'm like, hey, I have all the food. I was just going to let it like hang at my house, but I think it's going to be too cold. And by the time the kids get back, it's definitely going to be too cold. Are you around? Can I just drop it off? And he's like, oh, I'm just leaving the dinner. I'll be home soon. Dot. I just saw Noah. He looks great. Oh, my. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, my goodness. So then you're like, huh. 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 So now my Sherlock Holmes is kicking in and I'm like, what? So I drive over and he had just gotten home and he comes out and he's like helping me unload the pizzas. And I'm like, huh. What? And I said, so you just saw Noah? And he's like, yeah, at the dinner. So the parents were at the dinner getting more photos probably, huh? And at the dinner. And you were not at the dinner or invited. They had me come 15 minutes early so that I wouldn't. Thinking you only had 15 minutes to get. Oh. So that I wouldn't be there when any of the other parents were there. Can we pull up to that lady's house and. So, oh my God. That is so screwed up. Who has nothing to do with my son. My son does not see him, does not have a real relationship with like, him. compared to your, like, close-knit no. relationship with him? No. Yeah. And he's invited to come over for the dinner and pictures. And I'm, like, the red-headed stepchild. <laughs> Basically. No offense. The red-headed stepchild, <laughs> like... <laughs> Colby, <laughs> yeah, Colby you know that's like let's keep you over here where you know we don't have to talk about what you're doing or why you got a divorce. 
Yeah. yeah. Or the fact that you're not wearing your garments oh anymore. My God. You're oh. wearing a tank top, you sinner. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So that it the this there's the religion, there's the doctrine of the religion, and then there's the culture of the church. And they're very different things. And what what the LDS members have allowed to happen, they've allowed the culture to consume the religion. And so a lot of people have a very hard time looking at the doctrine of the church because the culture is has just completely consumed it. So the culture of judgment, the culture of, oh my gosh, did you see that her daughter walked in in a bikini? Somebody tell her to go home and put on a t-shirt, please, because we don't wear bikinis to these pool parties. Um, the culture of, can you believe her son didn't go on a mission when he was supposed to? Like, I wonder what's happening. Do you think he has or an addiction? Is there something wrong with her daughter? She's not even married yet, and she's been home from her mission for like exactly six months. Exactly. Or I haven't seen so-and-so at church for a while. I wonder if everything's okay. And when they say if everything's okay, they don't mean I wonder if they're sick or I wonder if they're going through depression. They're saying, I wonder if they're getting ready to leave the church. Or I wonder if they're going to the lake on Sunday instead of church. Or I wonder, 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 wonder. It's always like, why can't you just like focus on your family Mm -hmm. trauma and Mm -hmm. BS? Yeah. And leave us alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have to be so involved with everything. It's disgusting. But we've allowed that to happen. As members of our church, we have allowed each other to judge each other. So we've taken the scripture that I am my brother's keeper, and we've completely twisted that. (laughs) Our brother's keeper means when you see a homeless person laying on the street, give them some food. Okay? Okay. If you see somebody in need of something, help that person out, okay? Mm-hmm. When a woman decides to divorce her husband and you don't know any of the circumstances around it, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, exactly. And don't look at her and judge her and don't say things to her like, you're going to ruin an entire generation. Mm-hmm. Or you are going to end up taking your kids to hell. Or her daughter and son got tattoos because of her. Because she divorced her husband and hasn't been to church in a while. And she's spiraling. Spiraling. She's spiraling. spiraling. And her kids are spiraling. I've heard that so many times. Oh, my goodness. And at the same time. Toxic. And at the same time, I will see people that I haven't seen in like 15, 20 years. Like, I'll bump into them. Mm -hmm. And every single time they say the same thing to me. Oh my gosh, you look amazing. Like you look so happy. Like what oh is going on in your life? I, I can back that up because the first time I saw you after the divorce and everything and you had moved out and you had your own place, I immediately, I told you this. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what it is. It's probably because you're happy again. Yeah. And you know who you are now. Yeah. But the second you moved out and you were able to create a safe space in your own yes. home and you were able to breathe again, it's like your face was just brighter. Your eyes lit up more. Yeah. Your smile was wider and your voice just shifted. You know yeah. what I mean? And so like that couldn't be more true. 
And I'm sure that the people that saw you constantly within mm-hmm. the ward probably saw you as the devil. Yeah. <laughs> because you may be happy and whatnot, but for them, your definition of happy is a sin. Mm-hmm. And not only that, a lot of times we are told that if we stray from the teachings of the church, we're going to be incredibly miserable, right? So to see me happy was contradictory to them. And they would look at me and be like, they're trying to this change the narrative. You're fake. You yeah. have to be faking it. Yeah. No, I am not faking it. I have She's truly never, never been, been so happy. So happy. Yeah. I never have my whole life. Yeah. It's amazing. And like you may not have this mansion or have uh-uh. all of these materialistic things nope. within that home. You truly have never been more happy. And I can no. see that and I can feel it. It's your aura, your energy, everything. And the sweetest thing, like this is probably going to make me cry. This is the sweetest thing ever. So one day Noah and I are driving. Oh, it was right before prom. And I said, but I wish I could do the after party at our place. It's just not big enough. Like we have a teeny tiny 1964 rental in Tempe, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just in an older neighborhood. It's just small. Just it's imagine super one of those cute. frat houses in Tempe. It's exactly like, it's structured just like But that. it's cuter. But it's so cute. Yeah, we decorated it really yes. cute. So, um, so I'm like, Noah, we're driving down the road and I'm driving and he's sitting next to me. And I'm like, but I'm so sorry. I said, I wish I could give you what dad can give you, which is your big, his bedroom in that old house was the size of my family room and kitchen now. Right. I'm like, I wish I could give that to you. I wish I had this big, like, I wish I could do that for you. I want to do that for you so bad. And I said, don't feel like you have to, um, hold back. If you want to do that at dad's, like, let's do it. If you, if you miss being over there and having all that stuff, Noah, like I want you, you know, and if, like, I want you to be able to you want be where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, mm-hmm. And he turned. You know, you're driving. You can see the passenger turn. And he turns and he's like, Mom. And I was like, what? for a second looking around like, am I running into something? What? Like, what? <laughs> what? Right? And it scared me. And I'm like, what? And I, and I looked at him and he said, don't ever say that again. He said, I have never been this happy. Oh. And he was just staring at me. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you so much. I mean, me tear up. Wow. So many times Noah has said, I have never felt this peaceful. And it's so powerful. Yeah. To To give a teenage boy peace, to let him feel like he can be his authentic self. And Noah's a great kid. He's a great kid. And he's still, you know, he's still in the church. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, I hope that people understand I'm not bashing the church. I'm speaking truth and it might make people uncomfortable, but it is the truth. Yes. It's everything that people witness, but they either feed into it or they run away from it. Yeah. And she just chose to not be a part of that. Yeah. I literally walked away and said, yeah. I just won't, I won't, I won't Exactly. Do it. And that's totally okay. Yeah. So obviously your views of the church have changed since everything that happened. Um, Do you think that you leaving and kind of disassociating from the ward and all, do you think it affected your child or like your children? I hope not. So when I, years ago, um, so Mormon women, when we go into the temple, we promise to like obey our husband, right? When things happen in the marriage, 
we're often reminded that our husband holds the priesthood and we need to counsel with him and he's the one that gives us direction, et cetera, et cetera. In my marriage, that wasn't the case because it, there was so much control and so much um, verbal abuse and, and judgment and neglect or whatever. So for me, when I would go to like my bishops and say, I'm having all of these problems, right? And they would say, well, he's the priesthood holder of your family. This is what he says is best. Like you guys need to get on the same page. Basically what they were saying was obey your husband. So a long time ago, my internal spiritual compass started changing. So it was way before the divorce. It was things that have always made me really, really, really uncomfortable. I've never agreed with polygamy ever. I don't think that on any planet, anywhere, in any century, is it okay to marry a 14-year-old girl. That is not okay. There's no reason for it. Okay? There's no reason no, for that. absolutely not. I don't care what time it was. There's no reason for that. Um, I don't believe that it's okay. There's no reason to have multiple wives. Why can't we just share what we have? Why do you have to have multiple wives? And if some jackass wants to marry more than <laughs> one woman, Disgusting. well, that's on him. Yeah. Like, what a moron. You want to yeah. pay for more than one woman? And she's like, how stupid. Yeah. But also, right? Like, who's the idiot that wants to do that? <laughs> Women are expensive. What are you getting they yourself into? They are expensive. That's like, so if you want to sleep around with a bunch of women, fine, but you're going to marry them and then have children with them? Like, bro, you're straight up dumb. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, right? Straight like, up dumb. How stupid, but whatever. But it was actually a policy in the church. And that's where I had an issue with it, is that it was like an actual policy. And certain men were told, you go find second and third wives, which meant the women were told, if you are approached and said, you're going to be a second wife, you don't have a choice. You will be a second wife. Okay, that's not okay. So that's that was, yeah, that was polygamy. So the church doesn't practice polygamy anymore. The FLDS does, but not the church. So let's make that very clear. But, so I've always had an issue with that. I've always had an issue with um, the church not allowing black men to hold the priesthood strictly because they were black. I have always had a problem with that. It has always bothered me. Even as a missionary, I asked my mission president that question. I asked a general authority that question. Like, that was something for me that hurt deeply because I felt like God created all of us. So why are you judging someone based on their skin color, telling them they can't, if are you, you... Are you saying that God makes mistakes? Yeah, if, you are, the, if you are God's true church and he made this person, why are you saying this person can't, like, that never set well with me. Never, 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 never. And it's something that still doesn't. I've never been able to reconcile with that. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, the other thing that hit me really hard... Um, I have a lot of friends who are LGBTQ, a lot. And our church's stand on gays is not nice. Um, they are sinning. They are going to go to hell. It is um, a choice, right? <laughs> it's not a choice. I have spoken to so many LGBTQ who say, 
I remember being this way from my earliest age, okay? I have dear friends, and when our church was going through the whole Proposition 8 thing, like, we actually had bishops, because a letter came from Salt Lake, and they Mm -hmm. read it in church, in sacrament meeting, in every sacrament meeting in the whole United States, and they said, do not vote on Proposition 8. Like, we will not allow gay marriage. It is a fight against families. Oh, so shut up. Imagine me sitting there going, well, hang on a second. Like, I have a best friend that's gay. Yeah. And has two children. He's more of a father to those two children than half of the men in this room. Mm-hmm. who don't even know their kids, right? Who don't show up for things, who don't know who their teacher is like. They, uh, Yeah, right? Wow. Exactly. So it really bothered me. Like it really, really bothered me. So I had an issue with that as well. So there are things that actually for me have really hit me hard for a long time. But at the same time, I was trying to raise three kids the best way I knew how, living in an LDS community where I knew that that was probably the safest way for me to raise them in that community because otherwise they would have kind of been outcasts. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of, right. Um, and I did actually love the community part of the LDS church. I really They're do very love strong. that. Very strong. They're very connected. Yes. They stick together. Like there's a lot of, of good about it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I got a divorce though, I was able to make the conscious decision that, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to do this for anybody but me. Right. Okay. I had a daughter that was married, a son that was had moved out of the house, and then my youngest that lived with me. I had no reason now to make decisions based on my children. It was now based on myself and what I wanted. My children, I did not even talk to them about this until about eight months after my divorce. So mm-hmm. it's only been about the last four months, yeah. right? Yeah. That I Pretty even recent. let them know where I stood spiritually. Yeah. Because the one thing I didn't want to do is come out and say, okay, this is how I feel. And then have it affect their decision for their own personal spiritual journey. Yeah. So when they came to me and said, mom, this is how I feel. I said, I a hundred percent support you. And I did a hundred percent support and I still do hundred percent support them. Yeah. But my own communication with them, as far as where I stood, that didn't come out till recently. When I just let them know, hey, listen, I'm a very spiritual person. I love God. I believe in God. I believe in a universal power. What I believe really truly, because I've seen it and felt it, is that when you are your authentic self, when I really am who I am, and I'm a good person, like I love people. I try to be honest. I try to be kind. I try to be whatever. And um, I had this woman who sent me a text message on Instagram one day and she's like, cause I posted a picture of me in like a low cut dress. Right. <laughs> and she's like, I can't believe that you would throw the church under the bus when it's what made you who you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, hang on a second. The church didn't make me who I am. All of the issues from my childhood, all of the marital stuff I went through, all of the abuse I've been through in my life, the choices I made to get over that are what made me who I am, mm-hmm. not the church. Yeah. God helped me through things. Christ helped me through things. But as we know, the church didn't help me through things, no. right? Yeah. So that's a false false statement. The church didn't make me who I am. Yeah. And it and it doesn't make decisions for me. Yeah. I I am my own 
authentic person. And that's what makes me happy. And I feel like when you have that energy, I believe so strongly that other people out there have energy that matches yours. And when you go out and you be who you are, it is like a magnet and you will find those people with connecting energy and that's who you're going to connect with. Yes, exactly. And whether it's in business, whether it's in, in love, whatever it is, exactly. you're going to connect with those people. Yes. I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah. So I feel like you have it figured out now. Oh, yeah. Mostly. I, I feel like, yeah. I, well, you're always evolving. If we're not oh, evolving, yeah. then we're going backwards. Yes. So I'm always evolving. And <laughs> I, and there's always times where I'm like, I'm so stupid. I should have did this, this, this. So I'm always trying to imp- self-improve. So, you, but yeah. So, yeah. Like, I feel like when you're going through what you're going through, it's like you make a few mistakes. Yeah. And here and there. But honestly, overall, you're learning and yeah. you're just taking it one day at a time and uh, that's totally fine and the difference is that when I make a mistake um you know in the church it's like if you do x y and z god will love you and you'll be blessed if you don't do x y and z you're going to be punished oh yeah right like you will not be able to live with him in heaven you will not blah 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 blah. we could go through the whole list whereas now I'm like if I make a mistake I own it it was stupid. It was a mistake. But I do not believe that it's going to hold me back from any type of progression, period. Mm-hmm. I learned from it. I'm moving forward. And I don't believe that God or whoever anybody else calls spirit, energy, power, whatever, who whatever that is, that's not going to hold you back either. No. I don't believe yeah. God's going to look at you and be like, you made a mistake. Dang, you're done. You're done. So hurry up and go repent, go meet with your bishop, tell him all of your sins, and then he will forgive you. And then you can repent. No, I don't believe the bishop needs to know anything. That's between me and God. Yeah. And I will take care of it myself. You need no vessel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it's so weird. Like, why do you need a freaking vessel to God? Like, have a, sit in a quiet room, have a conversation with God yourself. Sit down and say, I effed up and I'm so sorry. Yeah, exactly. I just think that's, I don't know. I just think when it comes to God and religion, mm-hmm. you're supposed to interpret it however works for you. Yes. Because yes. everyone connects with God differently. Yeah. It's whether they verbally talk to God mm-hmm. and reach out and say, I need this. Mm-hmm. I need you to do this for me. I need help with this. All that stuff. Yeah. And then there are people that, you know, go through life and don't talk to God, but rely on the idea of God, yeah. that God's guiding them. Yes. Whether, or some greater power. Or whether, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I live, you know? Yeah. So I think it's subjective. Yeah. You know, like whether, this is what I tell Ariana all the time. I'm like, I don't care what religion you are. I really don't. As long as you're a good human being. Yes. And you're not going out and being disrespectful to people, hating, judging them. Yeah, exactly. All this stuff. Yeah. You're going to heaven either way. Like, because uh, to me personally, this is my perspective. I think that if God is willing to forgive Mm -hmm. and let you carry on with life, he's going to let you into heaven. Yeah. Your mistakes don't define you. If he's a parent... Can you imagine being a parent and it's saying like to your you kid, up. you get to come in and you don't? Yeah. Like, like what? I can't. No. No. 
everyone no way. is welcome. Yeah, I look at my kids. I, I look at you. You're like my adopted daughter. Like I look at, and I think I have always said this, always said this. There's nothing you can do that would make me not love you. Exactly. So if something happens, if you've effed up, come to me immediately mm-hmm. and let's figure it out because I will help you through it. Yeah. I will always help you through it. Exactly. And that's the most important part of it all is just yeah. being able to identify that. You know? mm-hmm.